The reading is from Luke chapter 5, verses 17 to 26. And we used to give you page numbers, but we haven't given you Bibles. Uh, Some of you will have brought your own. Um, I'll give you a chance to look them up before I start reading. It's on the screen if you haven't got a Bible. So, from Luke chapter 5, beginning at verse 17. One day Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee, and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal those who were ill. So men came carrying a paralysed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, Your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, get up and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, We've seen remarkable things today. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks uh, very much indeed, Helen. We, uh, are we okay with this microphone? Can you hear me? Yes, you can. Great. Um, so, uh, why don't we have a moment of quiet and pray together. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would still our hearts uh, this morning. Uh, whatever we've come with uh, on our minds, I pray you would just allow us to bring it to your words, bring it to your Son, And we pray, hear from you. I pray you would use what I say this morning. Amen. And what times we are in. Um, uh, I imagine you may have come with with just having processed quite a lot of information over the past uh, uh, couple of days. Um, And there'll be a a number of you kind of who are in a number of fields that are affected by what's going on. You may be healthcare workers of various kinds. You may be those who... 
uh, and are planning for um, businesses that will need to change. Uh, we have a number of scientists in our congregation of different kinds, uh, some very qualified scientists, uh, some very qualified doctors, people working in a number of different spheres that will be impacted by this. I imagine, like uh, most of us, you are processing a lot of information about what has been going on. Um, yesterday, the... Um, uh, the excellent uh, Nick Robinson on uh, the BBC, I was struck by his introduction to um, uh, an interview that he began on Radio 4's Today program. Uh, it, was the, it was the way he um, introduced what was going on. He was about to interview um, two scientists. I'm going to play you a clip in a second. Um, he was about to interview two scientists, um, uh, and he was flagging up the fact that there were, one of the things that we're, we're doing is hearing from different scientists, different people, um, different opinions, and we are trying to gauge where we're at. This is how he introduced um, them yesterday uh, morning. Uh, if you heard it, uh, you can hear it again. Be banned. Now, the truth, of course, is that the science has to be balanced against other considerations. Different experts can disagree about how to interpret facts. And, of course, there is also more than one type of scientist. So let's explore some of the choices the country now faces with two different sorts of scientists. A leading epidemiologist, Professor Neil Ferguson of Imperial College London, who specialises in the study of the spread of diseases, and a leading psychologist, Professor Simon Wesley of King's College London, who's Professor of the Royal College of Psychiatrists. Morning to you. Morning. Good morning. I'm sorry, did I call you a psychologist? I could have called you a yes, psychiatrist. You I do apologise. <laughs> yes. It is I'm a distinction that matters. I'm, I'm all too aware, but uh, apologies this, for that. this moment in time, Nick, it doesn't matter very much. <laughs> well, I'm grateful for that. Let's turn to Professor Ferguson to start with, though. Professor Ferguson, help people who are waking up confused, maybe even a bit cross. They were told that mass gathering... So there he was. He was introducing a conversation that was going to happen between two uh, different scientists to get their views. And the phrase he used, I don't know if you caught it, was he said, help people who are waking up uh, confused, maybe a bit cross uh, at what is going on. And the thing I thought he put his finger on brilliantly is the question that, that people may be coming from quite different places and they may be reacting and responding from quite different places. Um, I thought it was a, a really helpful uh, um, thing to, to sort of be able to articulate. Uh, as he said, you know, they may have woken up confused, they may be scared, they may be fearful, they may be very angry at what's going on. Um, and from what place are your reactions coming from is a really good question for us. And it's a question that actually just falls out of the passage uh, in the Lord's providence that we have this morning. We've been working our way through this part of Luke um, and landing on a different, uh, these, these um, encounters that Jesus had. And I've talked about the fact that they are about his words and how they are powerful but also controversial, that there are reactions to them. And I want to just explore that question. And, what, and perhaps if I can flag it up at the start, and I'll mention at the end, that question, from what place are your reactions coming from, is the thing I almost want you to take away and ponder. Uh, this morning. Um, in case we're all too kind of sober-minded about it, this may also help. Um, uh, one of the uh, very good cartoons around, it says, if you show the early signs of becoming an armchair expert, you must self-isolate till 2021. Um, I'm not a scientist, and, uh, and so I'm making no call on, on that. Uh, some of you will want to discuss that um, afterwards, but there we go. So let's have a look at this. I realize I often say keep your Bibles open, but if you haven't got one, you're just going to kind of need to hopefully follow along uh, with me. Um, there'll be some verses that I've put on the screen as we go, um, but if you've got Bibles, then do follow. 
Uh, we'll look at it in terms of the healing and we'll look at it in terms of the reactions. Let's just kind of inhabit this story for a moment because although it may feel familiar, there is so much here that is rich and important for us. And I, as I say, particularly at the moment, one day Jesus is teaching um, and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were sitting there and they'd come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. Now, um, this is a, a, a new bit in Luke. Ha- having had these kind of encounters and miracles and healings, and we've seen Jesus' power, often it's been very positive. And now the Pharisees and the teachers of, of the law have arrived. The, the Pharisees are religious conservatives. Their goal was to keep the, the nation faithful um, to the Mosaic law. That was their kind of aim, um, uh, and, uh, uh, and to, to encourage the people in that way. The teachers of the law are, have been described as the religious parliamentarians who um, would, sort of, as a part of them, would make rulings on whether it was something religiously legal or not. Um, you know, were you allowed to use your hands with baptism, or did you need to use a, a cup, um, whatever it might be. Um, uh, I use that as an example. So they're there, and Jesus um, is encountering them for the first time, and they bring a new dimension, and as we'll see, a new dimension of uh, controversy uh, to this. They've come from all over, Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. So if I, you know, if I said to you that, that somebody has come up from London uh, to investigate, you know, it's that sort of tone of, uh, you know, they've sent them from Jerusalem, uh, from the capital, to come and uh, hear and assess this figure of Jesus. So things are changing, and there is a new element of uh, um, uh, skepticism or uncertainty about Jesus. But, says Luke, the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal those who were ill. And it's kind of, you know, you sort of put that in your back pocket. Um, uh, uh, So although we've got the Pharisees there, the power of the Lord is with Jesus. He has got that um, up his sleeve, so to speak, and we'll see what unfolds. Some men come, uh, some friends uh, of a man, uh, they're carrying a paralyzed man on a mat, uh, some kind of stretcher, uh, whatever it might be. And because of the number of people who are in the house where Jesus is, the access is difficult. Now, you may have seen there are pictures of, of these kind of flat-roofed houses, and there are kind of steps up the side. And so they decide that because access is difficult, they'll, they'll go up these steps. Um, and they take apart the roof um, it's some kind of kind of overlay uh, with uh, wood and, and branches, and then some kind of filling of clay, possibly tiles, um, as the, the use of the word tiles here. Um, and they begin to take apart sections of the roof so that they can make a hole and lower him uh, down. And but they can't find a way in. They do this. They lower him into the middle of the crowd, um, and right in front of Jesus. Now, it's quite a bold thing to do, isn't it? You kind of, hey, like I, the bit I can't get over is that they take apart somebody else's roof. Um, you're kind of thinking, what? Uh, uh, they, they lower him down, um, and you're kind of thinking, what on earth are the crowd making of this? Um, what, uh, what is the, how does the paralytic himself feel as he's being lowered down uh, in the middle of this uh, situation? Um, what is everyone on, uh, looking onwards? Um, what is the house owner uh, thinking about? Um, I'm going to have to fix that later. Um, and there's this pause. And when Jesus sees their faith, he then says, Friend, your sins are forgiven. Uh, your sins are forgiven. 
Now, they would have had a closer sense of, um, of sin and sickness than we might have done. Um, it's something the Bible uh, talks about. But in all likelihood, uh, the, the plural that he uses here, Jesus is speaking generally of this man's uh, sin as he would of, uh, of, of anyone's sinfulness, um, not a specific thing that has meant he is paralyzed. And he says, your sins are forgiven. And it's, there's, a, there's a gap, isn't there, between what has happened, here is a man lowered because he is unable to walk, and what Jesus says to him when he says, your sins are forgiven. Because you probably, if you're like me, you think, well, that wasn't his first need. But Jesus makes it front and center um, in the situation. And we'll come on to look at um, the reactions of the Pharisees who begin to ask themselves, you know, who can say this uh, and who can do this. But in verse 22, um, Jesus says, he kind of grabs hold of that awkward silence. and says, I know you're thinking, I can't say this. But which is easier to say? Uh, which is easier to say? Is it easier uh, to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? And of course, it's, it's much easier to say your sins are forgiven because you can't prove that, can you? You can't show that. There's nothing you can do that can, can verify whether your sins have been forgiven. So, of course, it's easier to say that. And he's just sort of, he, as he says that, it makes me feel as though he's almost, Jesus is almost like a, a poker player at this point. You, may, you sort of see him, uh, he's got, if you ever watched on, on uh, TV or whatever, on a film, uh, a sort of scene where somebody's playing poker. The question is always, when, when you get to that moment, do they actually have the cards to play or not? Is this a bluff? Do you have the cards there, Jesus? Jesus says, which is easier to say? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or be healed? Now, I can say your sins are forgiven, but you can't verify it. But if I say you need to be healed, we're going to find out whether I've got the cards or not. And because I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he says to the paralyzed man, get up, take your mat, and go home. And he lays the cards on the table. And it's a very good hand, it turns out. As the man stands up in front of them, took what he'd been lying on, and went home praising God. And you see that t- tension that uh, he's created. We're left wondering, okay, so uh, clearly he can heal the man. So I wonder what that means about his claim to be able to forgive sins. And that's what Luke puts before us. And I've said to you that as we've gone along here, we're looking at the power of Jesus' words, and suddenly that claim has gone up a notch. Uh, his claim not just to be able to heal and to do it, but his claim to be able to forgive and whether you and I believe that that is what he can do. But in the midst of this come the reactions uh, to this, Um, and there are a couple of different reactions, Um, and we need to sort of hone in on um, verse uh, 21, where Luke gives us what's going on. He gives us this internal conversation. Um, He says, who is this, um, uh, they say, who is this who speaks um, uh, blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Um, only God can forgive. And we, we sang, um, uh, how cool is that? How cool is that? He must be God if he can do that. Um, uh, now, that's not a song that they would have been comfortable singing. Because um, that's the thing, you know, only God can do certain things. You don't sing that about someone else. 
And as, as, they, as they are processing this in their minds, Jesus then articulates that for them. And I guess this is the, one of the key things I want us to notice here. As, as Jesus says, points to what they are thinking in verse 22, he says, he knew what they were thinking, and he asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Um, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Why, and you can translate, why are you raising objections within yourselves? And one of the things that Jesus knows and spots is that the struggle is first inside of them. It's an internal conversation they are having with themselves about whether they believe his words or not. In terms of their reactions, he knows their thoughts. It is an internal conversation. And I guess Jesus is saying, from what place are you reacting? He knows what they are thinking. From what place are you reacting? Pharisees, teachers of the law. What is this internal conversation you are having? Is it, as you can imagine, from a place of needing to be in control? You are the Pharisees. You're the teachers of the law. You've arrived to check out this guy. You are the ones who bring the credentials. You are the one who bring the checklist of whether you think this is okay or not okay. The place that you occupy is that you are in control. So when somebody says that, to put it simply, Jesus, you don't get to say that. Or put it another way. Is it coming from a place of fearing losing control? That I might not get to decide anymore that as the Pharisees and the teachers of the law are evaluating Jesus, if he can do this, if he can say that, it may take away what I have. Or perhaps deeper still, with the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, this is the the thing um, that sometimes arises, a fear of losing control that is dressed in theology. I don't think that this... Uh, is right for the church. From what place is their reaction coming from? And I want us to, to see what Jesus is doing here and what Luke shows us is Jesus is just trying to open them up to this. I don't think this is a, a, a bad thing, interestingly. He is trying to open them up. Can they see the internal conversations they are having around what they believe about him or not? He's trying to open them up to sense and to look at their own reactions to him. And I, standing back for a moment, I can't think of anything that is as relevant for the kind of situation we have at the moment. When Jesus just begins to open you up to say, what what, what place are your reactions coming from? I don't think he's doing it harshly. In many ways, it's lovingly. What place are your reactions coming from to the news that we're taking in, uh, to the situation that we find ourselves? What place does fear have? Fear of losing control. What place does faith have in the Lord Jesus? But as he opens up that conversation for us, as he opens up that conversation for them, he also, Jesus, Luke shows us, he's, he's just beginning to open up for them 
the possibility of faith in the middle of this. The possibility of faith in the middle of this. So when he, uh, uh, the crowds, initially the crowds response just at the end, um, after the, uh, uh, the Pharisees have, um, uh, uh, have had their initial reaction immediately, um, the man stands up, um, he goes home praising God. And then we're told at the very end, everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we've seen remarkable things today. Now, their reaction is, I think Luke wants us to see a kind of contrast. It's coming from a place that says, wow, this man is doing something. I don't really know what it is yet, but he's doing something. Um, There's some crazy stuff going on. It's that kind of response. But it's actually earlier on, the friends when they came and they brought the man, that Jesus began this opening up of what faith may be. Because Luke tells us in verse 20, back to there, it sort of builds out of the crowd, really. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. When the, when the people arrived and they lowered him, when he, said, when, when he saw their faith, that is Jesus who begins to interpret their act as one of faith. Now, what is the act that they've engaged in? They've had enough gumption to say, let's get this guy on a stretcher and go and see if Jesus can help. That's about it. Their faith begins when they know that above anything else, they're just going to come to Jesus and look to him to help them. And they are reacting, if you like, operating out of that place. They may not have all the answers. Uh, I guess they hope, they pray, uh, they arrive, they take the roof apart, and they see what happens. But they are operating out of that place. And Jesus, can you see, he's just beginning to open these things up for us. And Luke presents them both. From what place are we operating? What does it mean to operate from a place of faith as we go into the rest of this week? As decisions will come, uh, as we will listen to different uh, voices, and we will need to, and we will need to heed those decisions and uh, be wise and prepare and look after one another and act as a, a community together, from what place are we going to be operating? What will it look like for us to be a people of faith in the Lord Jesus and to operate out of that, to take that into our workplaces. Uh, Our Lord Jesus, who forgives sin, uh, who died and rose for us, who promises a resurrection, who promises a new creation, who promises a a, a greater uh, vision of this world than just this world. Now, wouldn't it be great, wouldn't it be encouraging to take that into this week? like those guys who presumably got together and said, well, it's worth a go. (laughs) We'll get him on a stretcher and see what happens. And Jesus just begins to open up what faith may look like. Friends, shall we pray together? Just give us a moment to maybe reflect on that question of from where we are reacting. Father, as Jesus just began to prize open those those questions 
for the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, for the, for the crowds, uh, what was going on in their hearts and minds, what, are, what is going on in ours. So we, may we be better people who are just aware of, of where we are responding from. And Lord, I pray for that opening of a, a sense of faith in you that just quells and calms our fears, that unites us as your body and your community and sends us out from here ready to live as your people in this world. I pray. Amen.